All right, two more nights left before the summer stuff starts. So we will have things happening every Wednesday. Don't panic, but it's just going to look different than it does now. And so we're in week four of this five-week journey we've been taking uh, through this concept of living radically, making some decisions for our own discipleship, or if that word sounds unfamiliar to you, what does that mean? Our, our desire to follow Jesus, and we're making some decisions to go, hey, this is what we're going to do in order to do that well. So I don't know if you've thought about, like, what you want to do when you, like, get older, when you, some of you guys are close to that. If you're a senior, you, junior, maybe you've even started thinking about that because you're thinking about what do I do when I'm in college and what am I going to study so that I can uh, prepare for that. If you're, if you're a junior high student, you might have some ideas. Here's what you want. This will be a life hack, if you will. If you can figure out a career that pays you money to do something that you absolutely love and would do for free, you've won. I, I landed on that. I, I, I hate saying this when it gets recorded and somebody used it against me one day. I would do this for free. Like, like there are people that think about like teenagers and the teenage world and they're like, that freaks me out. And we're about to move into a summer where summer's crazy with mission trips and camp. And, and as we're rolling into it, I get more and more excited because I love spending the summer with you guys. I mean, I, I literally do go to Camp Collide and I sleep. And this is not an exaggeration. We sleep like four hours a night, every night at camp, you know, because we're up doing stuff and getting up the next morning. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. I started thinking about like, would there be other things that I would love to do as well, like that would be fun to be paid for? Now, there are some things like, like if somebody asked me, do you want to be like the professional statistician for the San Francisco Giants and you can travel to all of the baseball games? And, like, I, oh, I'd love that. That'd be fun. Or if somebody asked me like, what about being like a mixed martial arts judge or like a referee where you get like ringside seats? I could do that. Would be awesome. I met a guy named Bill, who has a job that I would love to do as well. If God ever called me out of youth ministry and he didn't let me go into professional baseball or mixed martial arts, I could do this job. This guy, for his career, meets with like super wealthy people, like millionaires who want to give money away. They want to donate things to charity. They want to make a difference with their money. And his job is to take their money and what they want to do with it and connect it to people in ministries to make it happen. Doesn't that sound like an incredible job? Like basically somebody says, hey, I have a million dollars and I want to help poor people. And your job is to go spend a million dollars helping poor people and it's not your money. Like, wouldn't, that'd be a great job, right? I mean, who, who would get behind that? I mean, if that was your job, I thought more of you. I mean, to me, that's like, that would be fantastic. I would love that. Somebody else's money that I get to use to do great things with. I think a lot of us go, I like that. But... What if the person's money that's going to be used to do great things with isn't some millionaire's, but it's yours? All of a sudden, we're like, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not a millionaire. I don't, I don't have that kind of money, so I, I don't want to do it. Let me, tell you, let me tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I mean, maybe mark this away. I, I, would love, I, mean, I would love to see you become a follower of Jesus, but a lot of people in this room are followers of Jesus. Here, here's one way that you know if you're maturing in your discipleship. This is one way you know if your Christianity, you believe, is, is more mature than maybe the average person. If you have a changed perspective on ownership, and what I mean by that is this, if you think that money and stuff is mine, if you go, this is my money, I went and worked at Sonic, and I made this money, I earned this paycheck, I went and babysat, and, and this money is mine, 
crazy if you think this. My parents gave me an allowance, and it's mine, because, I mean, they, you didn't even earn it. If you go, hey, my money and the stuff is mine, here's what, mine is connected to selfishness, right? I mean, that, that makes sense. The more we say mine and me and my and I, the more selfish we generally are. Mine is connected to selfishness, and selfishness is the root or the foundation of sin. If you think about it, you look through Scripture, sin is really doing my thing instead of God's thing. So the more we say mine, the more selfish we are, the more selfish we are, the closer we are to sin. And so the mark of the mature believer who's going, man, I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to live a sinful life. I want to, I want to live the, the life that God has created for me that is others-oriented and selfless, has this changed perspective and ownership. And they go, you know what? Stuff and money, even if, even if I worked and earned it, isn't mine. Somebody else's. It's God's. But like a lot of us, like we, when we talk about giving, taking our resources, we'll, we'll give, but we're, like, we're what I call like garage sale givers. Like we'll give away stuff we don't want anymore. Like, for example, you go down this hallway, down to our small group rooms, we've got some couches down there. And some of them are in good shape. Some, some of them, some of them aren't. You know, in 20-some-odd years of youth ministry, I've never, never had a person come to me and go, hey, we were thinking about putting a couch in this small group room. I go, cool. And they go, yeah, pick a store. We're going to go buy one from there. That has never happened. No one has ever bought a couch for the youth ministry. What they've done is they garage sell that we got a new one. We don't want this one anymore. So you can ha- they give what they don't want, but rarely do we give things that we think are mine or I need or I want. It's like the lady uh, that called in to Butterball Turkey. Butterball Turkey companies put up a hotline several years ago uh, during Thanksgiving. And so you could call to get tips on cooking Thanksgiving turkeys. You know, since people don't cook turkeys a whole lot, you know, they set up this line. You could call, 1-800 number. And this lady calls the 1-800 number. This is a true story. And she says, she says, hey, I've had a turkey in my freezer for 23 years. Is it safe to eat? And so they, they talked and they said, well... If your freezer has stayed zero degrees or below for the last 23 years, then yeah, you can eat that turkey and you won't get sick or anything like that. And I said, but this, let me, let's tell you this, that the flavor of that turkey is going to be degraded. It's, it's not going to taste good at all. And the lady said, well, that's what I thought. I'll give it to my church for the holidays. <laughs> right? And some of you are like, what? That happens all the time. I mean, it's like, if it's good, it's mine. If it's not anymore, then I'll give it away to charity. But the mark of a believer that's maturing doesn't see stuff as mine. The ownership's changed, and they get excited. A mature believer gets excited about giving away things that blesses other people. In the same way that if a millionaire walked into you and said, here's a million dollars, I want you to go bless people with it. You go, that is awesome. You'd come up with some creative ways. We'd be excited about it. The mark of mature believer says, hey, the stuff is God's. The money that I have is the Lord's. He gave it to me. He enabled me to have it. It's his. I'm not an owner. I'm just a manager of it. I just take care of it. And if God calls me to spend it on someone who has a need, if God calls me to take his money that he's given me as a manager, the Bible says a steward, and release it to other people, I'm going to get excited about that because I'm spending someone else's money to do great things. That's the mark of a maturing believer. And you might go, well, yeah, but I'm not a millionaire. If, if God gave me a million dollars, I'd give some of it up. You know, if you make or your family makes $10,000 a year, which is every person in this room, 
Because if your family is 100% on welfare, you make more than $10,000 from welfare. People who make $10,000 or more a year, everyone in this room, are in the top 15% wealthiest people on this planet. If your family or you make, of course, you don't make $50,000 a year, but if your mom or dad makes $50,000 or more a year, which is the vast majority of people in this room, maybe not everybody, the vast majority, you're in the top 1% wealthiest people on this planet today. So when you go, well, I don't have money. Yeah, you do. Because there are over a billion people right now, while we're sitting in this nice facility with lights and air conditioning and and, and state-of-the-art stuff, there's a billion people on this planet that are living in desperate poverty, which means they're struggling for food, clean water, shelter, and clothing. And God has said, I've given you so much. You're in the top 1% wealthiest people on the planet. I've allowed you, by my grace, to have a lot of stuff. And you get to have some cool stuff, nice clothes and food. And you get to have clean water. And you get to have an iPhone. You get to have a game console. But I also want you to use some of my stuff that I've given you, and I want you to resource it and turn it loose on the people that I love that don't have anything. It's the mark of the mature believer. The mark of the mature believer looks at at, at money and, and thinks this way. I can, A, go buy a new phone or a new game console or whatever, or B... I can leverage this money to put Bibles into the hands of people who have never seen the Bible in their language before. That doesn't mean you're never going to buy a new Xbox. It doesn't mean you're not going to buy new clothes. But, but you have to be willing that if God, who owns it, says, no phone for you because I want Bibles over here to go, yes, Lord. If God says, hey, no new shoes for you because these people need clean water, you go, yes, Lord. If you're praying and walking with Jesus, which a mature believer does, and God doesn't say, if God says, go get new shoes, go get new shoes. Not about just like living in poverty, but it's being willing to be a manager rather than an owner and to listen to the voice of God when he says, go and do and go and give. Because the mature believer says this, the shoes that I went and bought three years from now are either going to fall apart or they're going to be out of style, but that Bible that I put into the hands of somebody has eternal ramifications for them. And the value system goes, man, this is much more valuable to change somebody's life than get a new pair of kicks. I mean, that's just how a mature believer sees the world. In a second, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians, but I want you to understand this. You can flip to 2 Corinthians 8 if you're going to be there. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have got to embrace radical sacrifice for the people that Jesus loves say it again. It's up on the screen. If we're going to follow Jesus, if that's, and again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what it means. You're, you're kind of looking into what it means for us as the church. If we're going to follow Jesus, if you say, I'm a Christian, I am, am embracing radical sacrifice for the people that Jesus loves. Warren Buffett, one of the richest man, men on the planet, gave away to the Gates Foundation $26 billion. Not million, he gave away $26 billion to charity. And that, that made big news. And they came and they talked to him and they were, you know, interviewing him. And this is what Warren Buffett said. He said, listen, I'm paraphrasing what he said. But he said, I, I go to the movies anytime I want to go to the movies. And I go eat dinner anywhere I want to go eat whenever I want to go eat, even after I gave away $26 billion. And he said, but there are people who have given away their movie money and they've given away their dinner money. And he said, those are the people that are the heroes of generosity because it's not about giving, it's about sacrifice. 
That's why we're saying embracing radical sacrifice. If you give $26 billion away and you have $250 billion, it's not a big deal. But if you've got $30 in your pocket and you give away $29, that's a big deal. Jesus gave us this picture. You don't have to flip there because I want you to stay in 2 Corinthians 8. I'm going to put this scripture up on the screen and we'll read it. In Luke chapter 21, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich. This is there at the synagogue in their church. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. People coming in. They're giving. They're making a scene with it. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, like two pennies, two quarters. And he said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. That's the economy of the way Jesus sees the world. Jesus says, if you have 26 billion, you give it away out of 250, that's great, wonderful, you gave. But if you have two copper coins in your pocket, and that's all you have to your name, and you give them both away to the kingdom, you've sacrificed. And Jesus doesn't put, point out the people walking in, putting in hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. He doesn't go, hey, look at that guy. He just wrote a check for 10 grand. The person he grabs a hold of and points people to is the lady who puts in two pennies because that's all she had. Because sacrifice, from a scriptural standpoint, is more important than giving. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We've got this letter, and this is where we're going to be at on Sunday morning. If you come to our small groups, we're going to be talking through this passage, five verses. There's two churches. There's a church in the city called Corinth, which is what this letter, 2 Corinthians, is the second letter written to this church in Corinth in Greece. There's another church called Macedonia, a church in Macedonia. And the two countries, the two areas, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they've got some political rivalry throughout the course of history. They've invaded each other. They're not necessarily, they're not at war with each other, but they're not necessarily friends. In fact, the people of Corinth refer to the people of Macedonia as the, as the barbaric north, kind of like an insult to them. You know, they're the uncivilized people, like Oklahoma. Um, you know, kind of, same kind of thing, Canada, if you will. And so there, there, there's not a war, but there's some tension. As long as like, I've been having a baseball conversation on Facebook with some friends, and somebody posted an article to me about a conversation, and it was, it was a post from uh, an author from Canada. And he said, what do you think about this? And I said, if I want to know about hockey or curling, I'll ask Canada. But if I want to know about baseball... I don't care what a Canadian says. We're not at war at Canada, but you know, kind of like it's Canada. The same kind of thing. Macedonia and Corinth, not so connected, but the churches in Macedonia and Corinth, they're united in Jesus. And what the church at Macedonia finds out is that the church of Corinth is struggling. They're having some money issues. They're having some financial issues. And so Paul is writing this letter to Corinth. He's telling them, here's what he says, verse 1. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He says, Macedonia, look at the words. He says, they have, in verse 2, a severe test of affliction. I don't know what is happening. But in Macedonia, there are some things happening in the church that was stressing them out. They, they were struggling through some things. They were in some bad times. It was lean years that Paul uses the word severe test of affliction. And then he says this, they also had extreme poverty. The Greek word there is kind of down to the bottom poverty, rock bottom. They've got nothing. They're broke. Their, their church doesn't have air conditioning, may not have a roof. 
They're not being able to pay a path. They're not being able to do it. They got nothing to give. Broke. But yet, they have this abundance of joy, is what he says in verse 2. They're overflowing with joy. Why? Because they had this wealth of generosity overflowing their part, and they took this offering when they had nothing, and they sent it to Corinth. This poor church, severe affliction, rock-bottom poverty, said, we hear some brothers and sisters of ours that are struggling, and we're going to scrape up our pennies, everything we've got, everything we've got, an overflowing of generosity, and we're going to send it to them. Now, look what happens, what Paul says. In verse 3, he says, For they gave according to their means, means they gave what they could, as I can testify, and beyond their means. They gave more than they could of their own accord. And here's what I love, verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord because they're disciples, and then by the will of God to us. What he said there is they loved God and they loved people, which is our vision of what we want to become like these people. And I love this. He says they were begging earnestly. So picture this, because Paul knows both churches. Paul's been in Corinth. He's in Macedonia, about to write this letter, and he's telling Macedonia, hey, you guys, just know, let's pray for Corinth. Pray for them because they've got all kinds of struggles. And the church in Macedonia goes, and we're going to do something about it. Even though we're extreme poverty, even though there's this severe test of affliction, guys, gather everything you've got. Go sell the last two goats you have. You know, go, I'm going to work some extra hours to raise in some money. I'm gonna, we're going to take everything that we have and more, and we're going to send it. And Paul, who knows both churches, probably says something like this. He's like, no, guys, that's okay. God, God will supply. But you guys, don't have, you, guys, you guys are probably poorer than Corinth. Corinth should probably take an offering for you. I just wanted you to know about it so you can pray about it. You don't have anything to give. And Paul says they begged earnestly. Paul, please, please, please let us give. An abundance of joy that it was overflowing. Please, we know we don't have, we, but we want to be a part of what God is doing. That is what discipleship looks like. When you go, I'm going to embrace sacrificial giving because I want to love the people that Jesus loves. Sacrifice matters. It matters to God in discipleship. I'll tell you this, we did a, se- a series not too long ago, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but I think one of the applications that we had in here, I challenge you to go to your closets and go through your clothes. Any of y'all remember this at all? I, said, I challenge you to pull out things that you go, I don't, I don't use anymore, I don't wear this. Give it away. We went into our small groups on Sunday morning. If I'm describing you, I have no idea who you are. I don't know a name. I don't, I don't know a grade or anything. But I did hear this from our small group ministers who were grieved because they said they're sitting in, in small groups and they're discussing the topic and, and they got to that. Have, did any of y'all go through your closets? Did you, did you give anything away? And some of our students look, looked at one of our small group ministers and said, well, my mom would be mad at me. My mom would be, this is what they said. They didn't say these words. This, my mom would be mad at me if I took the clothes that I never wear and gave them away to somebody that needed them. They didn't say those words. But my, and they looked at one of our small group ministers and they said, like, wouldn't you be upset if your daughter like, gave away stuff? And the small group minister was like, no, not at all. Because that, that's what mature discipleship is. It says, these clothes aren't mine. The Lord gave them to me. And if I wear them, great. I'm not even wearing these things, and there's people who are impoverished that I can help. I'm, I'm, that, that's, that's the garage sale giveaway we talked about earlier. That doesn't even hurt you. And yet, I mean, we can have a talk. We can look at Scripture. We go down our small groups, 
And what we say is, I don't even want to be a garage sale giver. I want to hoard my stuff. God says, it's not yours. And you're missing out on abundance of joy like the church in Macedonia because you're not willing to be a manager rather than an owner and give of God's great abundance to the people that he loves. Let me give you a, a couple of thoughts here that you can do. And we're going to talk about the big ask in a second, these radical commitments. But think about this, and, and this may not be for you right now. This may be a decision you make now for your future, even though I think it could be something. Here, here's how you can step into this applic- you know, application-wise. First thing is this, you could cap your lifestyle. You, you could, and again, maybe this is more relevant for some adults who have a salary, but you could cap your lifestyle. And I, I told your parents on Sunday, this happens. There was a time when your parents and, and me, we just graduated college and we got our first job and they paid us like $30,000 a year. And we were like, this is awesome. Like at $30,000, because we'd never had that before. We were in college living on ramen noodles for like, you know, four cents a bag. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting a paycheck that's, that's like $2,000, $2,500 a month. And, and we're like, man, I'm, I'm living in an apartment that costs like $600. I have $2,100 a month to do whatever I want with. And we're like, it will never get better than this. And our, the, your parents laugh because they've lived there and you will one day. Now some of your parents are making like $90,000 a year. And they're at home right now going, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay the bills this month. If we only, if we only made $100,000, then we could make it. And they've forgotten when 30000 and it wasn't because of inflation. It's because the way they lived changed. They never capped their lifestyle. And, and you ask, well, how much is enough? It'll ne- you'll never get that. You'll always want more. So the idea is to cap your lifestyle to say, so let's say you work, let's say you babysit and you make 200 bucks a month or something like that, or you're going to lifeguard this summer to say, you know what? I'm going to set a goal. Here's what I'm going to live on for the summer. And everything else is going to be given away. There's a guy named John Wesley years ago. John Wesley was a religious, he was an itinerant pastor. And he was in his room one day and it was winter and he had just bought a bunch of paintings for his room that he was living in, that he was renting. And he's hanging paintings on the wall. And there came a knock at the door. It was a chambermaid from the place that he was staying. And the lady was there. It's winter, but she's in this pretty thin linen dress. And it caught John Wesley's attention because he thought, man, it is, it's like snowing outside. It's cold. She's, she's barely got anything like a warmth on. No, she's got to be freezing. And he reached into his pocket to pull out some money to give her to say, hey, go get a coat. And he realized that he only had change left in his pocket. And he said he felt the Lord speak to him and say, you just clothe the walls of your room at the expense of clothing a person. I just spent all my money on these paintings. And yet there's somebody that's freezing right now. And, and he made the decision from that moment in his life to cap his lifestyle. And so what Wesley did is this. He said, I'm going to live on in today's dollars. And he didn't live, you know, now. But he said, I'm going to live on what in today's dollars would be $20,000 a year. I'm going to give everything else away. And at one point in his life, he was making the equivalent of $160,000 a year. And he was giving 140000 of it away because he said, I'm going to learn to live here. And the rest I'm going to use to bless people. So what happens when you cap your lifestyle. When you go, I'm going to set a standard. I don't have to keep chasing after the biggest and newest and best thing. Maybe that's not where you're at now. Maybe that's a decision you make later. 
Here's the second thing, though, just kind of an, an idea, and we'll come back to, again to the big ask. But do without something for a year or 15 months. A lot of these radical commitments have been 15 months, even though this is the commitment. So, so think about this. How many of you guys eat out uh, where you buy a soda, like at, at lunch or dinner, you buy a drink at least five times during a week? Dinner, lunch, school. Do you bring your own lunch? A couple of y'all, three times a week? Y'all like all, y'all eat at home, all five meals, all seven meals every day, lunch, dinner, everything? Lunch, dinner, breakfast? I mean, I eat with some of y'all two times a week probably. Okay, so here, think about this. When you go to a restaurant and you buy a Dr. Pepper, they charge you like $2.25 for that Dr. Pepper. What if, again, this idea of doing without something, what if you went for the next 15 months, for the next year, every time I eat out or every time I eat someplace where I have to buy a meal, I'm going to order water. Because one, that's healthy. And two, I'm going to take the $2 I would have spent on a drink that, I, that I've, I've, in my mind I was going to burn through and I'm going to set it aside. And at the end of the year, I'm going to use that to bless the people of God. You have a lot of money. How about this? Now, this is not biblical. Some of you guys, you'll be like, this is blasphemous when, you, when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. What if you made your own coffee at home? Starbucks lovers. And what if... You made your own coffee at home, and you didn't pay Starbucks $7 for your coffee tomorrow. Yeah, see, people are like, oh, yeah, you've crossed the line now. I will drink water at Dos Salsas, but don't ask me to give up my coffee. But what if you gave up store-bought coffee for a year and used those resources for the kingdom of God? That could be something that's pretty incredible. But guys, listen, focus. I'm almost done. If you're going to be a disciple, you have to choose to radically embrace sacrificial giving. When I say give up coffee, some of you are like, oh, I can't do that. But it's because it's a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. Now, here's the third thing. Here's the big ask. Here's what, what goes on the board. If you've got a phone, pull out your phone. Open up the internet browser. You don't have to do this. I want you to be ready in order to do it. What we're going to ask you to do is this, one of two things. One, because this is a, a biblical principle, to begin tithing. What tithing means is this, and it's a scriptural idea, that I'm going to give away 10% of what God has given me back to the Lord. So if you go and you babysit for somebody and they pay you 50 bucks for babysitting, the first thing you do if you're a tither is you pull out $5 and you set it aside and you live on the 45. Somebody gives you $10, because you went and washed windows. You pull out a dollar, and you set it aside, and you live on nine. If you're going to lifeguard this summer, or you're going to work you know, as a waiter, tip, you go, I'm going I'm to take 10% and give it to the Lord. That's tithing. It's a biblical principle. And not, I'll tell you this, I'm unashamed to talk about money, because it does not bother me. From when I was your age until today, God has called me, he's called all of us, but I've been faithful to tithing. I tell my tithing story all the time. First church job I ever had. They paid me $100 a week. They took taxes out. I don't ever forget this. After taxes, my paycheck was $92.35. And because I got $100 a week, I pulled $10 out. And so I lived on $82.35 a week. And the church that I served was 35 minutes one way from where I lived. And I was buying my own gas and doing my own car stuff. 
on $82 and paying rent and eating ramen noodles. And you go, how in the world did you do that? I'm going to be very honest with you. I have no clue. I don't know. God was faithful when I was faithful. God's faithful even when I'm not. And so you go, I can't do it. You can. Start that principle now, and it will change your discipleship even as an adult. So here's the other thing. Maybe you're already tithing. So here's what the big commitment would be. Go back for a second, please. Is to, to, to over the next 15 months, put $500 toward a gospel-oriented ministry. So we're asking you to do one of, one of, the, uh, one of the two things. If you're willing to tithe, in a minute, you're going to go online and say, hey, I'm in. If you're willing to go, you know what? I'm going to find a gospel-oriented ministry. Listen, I'm all for like, Straight cats, like, okay, I'm really not for straight cats living. I don't care if they live or not. Animal shelters wouldn't really do it for me. We're not talking about the animal shelter. We're talking about ministries that introduce people to Jesus, ministries that meet needs for people, that, that bring clean water to people so that they can hear the name of Jesus. You find one of those ministries over the next 15 months, you figure out a way to save or raise $500 for that ministry. Now get this. If just these people did it, just this group and this group, if, if everybody over here went, screw that, I ain't doing it. If just these people did it, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm not counting, it's pretty close. Do you realize that if you did that in 15 months, we would have given away $500 times 40 people, $20,000 to the kingdom. $20,000 to see the kingdom of God move across our planet in the form of clean water or food or housing or, or Bibles or things like that. If we all did it, it'd be crazy. So here's the gift. Here's the big ask. And you can, put, you can see at the bottom, it's going to be up on the other screen. You go to fbcgt.org, radical giving. And if you would be willing to be the disciple that says, I'm going to start tithing today, or I'm going to, over the next 15 months, I'm going to find a way, I'm going to sacrifice birthday money, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to buy Cokes. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. I'm going to put 500. You pick your own ministry. I'll help you if you want to find some things. You pick your own ministry. You're going to sign up online. Or if you don't have a phone with you, you can go on the back table. There'll be a thing. I believe it's back there where, where you can say, hey, put me on it. Now, here's what we're going to do. If you say that over the next 15 months, we're going to text you. We're going to help you remember. We're going to give you some ideas. Hey, what about this as an idea to raise money for what you said you're going to do? Or hey, if you're going to be a tither, don't forget, next paycheck, pull 10% out. So when you sign up, we're going to, we're going to keep you in the loop. We're going to put your name out on the bulletin board. It's, it's going to show, hey, I'm in. And once you've tithed for a year, we're going to turn that over. Or once you've raised your $500, we're going to turn that over. We're going to give you a little incentive. This one, I think, is like a hoodie type thing. You know, just that's just fun stuff. But we're, we're going to do those things. So Radical giving. Now go to the, I think I have the next slide up there. Here are the other ones. And we're going to leave this up tonight. We're going to put it back up in the end. If you've missed the other ones, here's what we're asking you to do. And we're not asking you to pick one. I'm asking you to pick all five. There's only four. There'll be a fifth one next week. I'm asking you right now to pick all four. To say, I'm going to read the Bible over the next 15 months all the way through, or I'm going to read 11 different devotionals that we, and we're providing them for you. They're on the table in the back. You can grab devotionals. You can grab reading plans. I will go on a mission trip outside of my city. Listen, there's like 20 people's names out there. I know there's more of you that are already planning on going on a mission trip. Go on right now to each one of these things. If you're going to the next 15 months, say, I will take the gospel to the people of God outside of my city. Commit to it. You'll pray for the nations, and we'll give you these things. We put up last week, operationworld.com or .org. We'll, we will put this up on the website. Places where you can play for, pray for every country on the planet, in 15 months, 230 plus countries, would you do that? And then tonight, would you give radically?
We're going to leave those up after we get done with stuff tonight. But consider it. Go on. Talk to your parents about it. Do it as a family. Let discipleship happen in the home. I'm going to pray for us real quick. David, going to come do announcements, and then we're going to do something very cool tonight. We're going to baptize. So let me pray. God, God, thank you so much that you allow us to have your word, a Bible to read. And God, thank you that you allow us, especially those of us in this room, God, we have the resources and the time that we can go and tell other people about Jesus on a mission trip. And God, we thank you that, that we can, we, it doesn't even cost us anything to pray for the countries of this world that, that the kingdom of God would, would advance there. And Lord, for some of us, $500 it might not be hardly anything. God, we have the resources to join you in your kingdom work. God, I pray we would raise up some teenagers and some families that would make these commitments that the world would call radical, but you call normal. God, may we be a part of joining you in what you're doing, and we know that we'll grow through that. As in Jesus' name we pray, amen.